0: Pastor Xavier Reese finds the gospel bearing fruit, a reason for giving thanks. Paul, thank God the word
1: brought fruit through the Thessalonians. What a great thing to give thanks. I don't know how long you've been walking with God. I don't know what God took you out of. I don't know what you're in the midst of. Look to Him. Being thankful for the word, man. It's sown, it took root, and brought forth fruit to be a light to others around us. What
0: a great benefit. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As Paul, Silas, and Timothy were ministering in Thessalonica, the believers there were listening to the apostles such that they didn't take what they heard as the words of men. They knew that what Paul and his friends told them was really the Word of God. And in his letter that followed, Paul expressed his thanksgiving for the simple truths of God's word not only took root and bore fruit, but genuinely changed lives, so much so that these new Christians were ready and willing to suffer persecution for Christ. Pastor Xavier has more in this special message for Thanksgiving. Let's listen. In 1 Thessalonians
1: chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14, and the message is simply entitled, Are You Thankful for the Gospel?, And so here Paul gives a threefold thanks for the word of God. First, we have the thankfulness for the word of God. It was sown in the beginning of verse 13. It was cast out, sown. Secondly, for the word of God that it took root, the rest of 13. And thirdly, the word of God brought fruit. So it was sown, it took root, and it brought forth fruit in verse 14. Notice first, Paul thanked God because the Thessalonians were open to the word preached. Listen to this word. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. Notice the Thessalonians received the word of God, and it was from the missionaries, of course, Paul and the others. In chapter 1, verse 5, they came to proclaim the gospel. You were somewhere, sometime, someday, and you heard the gospel And you had no intentions of being saved. But the Word of God pierced your heart and the Spirit of God made it alive. And it brought you a place where you made a choice and a decision. And it transformed your life. The good news. reached your ears. Being open to receive the Word of God outwardly as they heard it was good. And it's an important step for everybody. But this word alone is only mental Acceptance. We can hear things when you as a parent call upon your children or bark up some orders. They hear you. But that doesn't mean they've listened to you and obeyed. Hearing and obeying are two different things. Hearing and listening and understanding are two different things. Being around and hearing the gospel doesn't save a person. It only makes them more accountable if they don't repent. But the power is in the Holy Spirit to convict and to illuminate and to save. It's the work of God. Paul was thankful. You know, the parable of the sower depicts the Word of God being sown, as you know. But the various soils indicate the conditions of man's heart. And that's always where the Word is sown. It doesn't mean there's different seed. The seed is one, the Word of God, but there are four different soils of the heart. And one falls by the wayside, the other on stony ground, the other on thorny ground, and the other one good ground. And those are the four soils, the four types of heart that we are described in the Gospels. We as believers should be thankful that we can pay heed to two important things that Jesus warned about. Matthew 4:24 says we are to take heed what we hear. And that's in the parable of the sower. This is to discern truth from error. What we hear. The second one is in Luke 8. Eighteen, Jesus says, we are to take heed how we hear. It's also the parable of the sower. This is to decide how we live out what you hear. Take heed what you hear and how you hear. Because what you hear, God holds you accountable for. To those who much is given, much is required. And so we should be so thankful that God has not only saved us and made us alive, but He's given us the ability to understand, to believe, and to obey, and to be able to bring forth this truth in our life, to be a light to others around us. What a great benefit. The Word of God can do for you and myself what we can never do for ourselves no amount of degrees, no amount of education, no amount of life experience can do for you what Jesus did for you on the cross and declares to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul thanked God. The Word of God was sown among the Thessalonians. But notice secondly, he gives thanks that the Word of God took root. Paul gave thanks to God that the Word was working in power, which also effectively works. The phrase um, effectively works means to be actively and efficient. The word is used the majority of the time in the New Testament for various forms of supernatural activity. So this is nothing that man does. This is what God is doing. We get our word energy from this word. Notice the apostle has pointed out many ways in which the word had already worked and was continuing to work in their lives. uh, In chapter 1, verse 5, it worked uh, to convert them. In chapter 1, verse 6, it worked against their afflictions because they suffered much for the gospel. In chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, it worked to make them a witness to all in Macedonia. They're pagans. They come out of idolatry. They stand out like a sore thumb right now. Some of the people don't like it. Chapter 1, verse 9, it worked for their transformation. It was still working in them because their hearts were open to the Word of God. And so this is always the encouragement and the exhortation in Scripture. That we continue, that we continue to grow, to develop, to mature on every level. Notice Paul thanked God that the Word was working by faith. Who believe? Faith. The ideas of committing and trusting. Faith is absolutely necessary for the Word to take root and to see God. In our daily lives, without it, we cannot please God. Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God again. Romans 10, 17. Those that come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Now, faith is to be a commitment of trust in the promises of God's word. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 tells us that. So it's again, my faith points me back to the revelation of God. What has God said? What has God declared? Now, a new life comes through a new birth. Second Corinthians five seventeen. 17. Old things pass away. All things become new. A life that never ends. We go from being temporal to eternal. This old body is going to die. It won't be long. If the Lord tarries, I'm going to put this body away. It's going to go to the dirt. And I'll be instantly present with the Lord. So when you read the obituary, Xavier died, don't believe it. I moved. Faith is never passive, but always active, whether in trust or work. For faith without works is dead, James 2.26. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1 1 says. So what God tells me, I believe, even though I don't understand some things to its full end. Noah was told to build a boat, an ark, for a hundred years. And God told him it was going to rain for 40 days. Though he never saw rain, he believed God's revelation. Not his own understanding, not his rationale, not his subjective interpretation. But he believed the objective word of God's promise that judgment was coming. And he moved with fear. Again, the parable of the sower presents one rejecting the word altogether, the seed that falls by the wayside. Two other souls of, or hearts refuse to allow the word of God to continue the stony and the thorny ground. But the fourth, mixed with faith, takes root and continues to depend upon God. Listen carefully. It is a choice. It has nothing to do with predestination. God doesn't predestine one to hell and predestine another to heaven. If God did that, when both deserve hell, God would be unjust. God would be unfair. God could not be holy. You would have to be the most wicked creator. So predestination and free will do not contradict one another. How they both work out, we don't understand it. But God says it's a choice where you spend eternity. God does not decide where you spend eternity. You decide where you spend eternity by your decision About the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether he became sin for you and died. And you believe he can forgive you. and your need of repentance. Or whether you think that's foolishness. That will determine where you spend eternity. God doesn't determine that. If God forces you to go to heaven. And then condemns others to go to hell. How does that make him holy? How does that make him just? It wouldn't. For God to fully judge you and completely, justly, and holiness, He must be absolutely innocent of any part of your sin. He must judge you for your sin or judge your sin on His Son. The choice is yours. There's only two choices. Either you say, I can face up to my sins and pass the judgment. Or I see myself condemned under the wrath of God. And I fall upon the stone Jesus Christ. And become broken rather than crushed. But it is a choice. Paul thanked God. The word of God took root in the Thessalonians. So not only was it sown, but it took root. What a joy it is to see somebody hear the gospel. And see that word take root. And see them just take off. And live so differently. Notice thirdly, verse 14. He gave thanks that the word of God brought fruit. Paul thanked God that the Thessalonians became imitators of the churches of God in Judea and in Christ Jesus. Uh, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which is in Judea and in Christ Jesus. They were imitators because they were brethren. Mark that well. Brethren refers to being born again in the same womb. They were in the same family. There was a resemblance. The word really is mimics. In the sense of disciples of Jesus. Because he's our ultimate example. They were imitators in the sense that they were waiting for Jesus to return. As he said in chapter 1 verse 10. By the way in every chapter he speaks about the coming of Christ for his church. In every chapter of 1 Thessalonians. The rapture. They're waiting for the rapture. 2 Thessalonians is the second coming. When he comes back in judgment. 1 Thessalonians he comes back for his church. 2 Thessalonians he comes back with his church. That's a big distinction between the two. They were imitators in the sense that they were walking worthy of the kingdom. Now notice they were imitators of the churches of God, which were in Judea. Here's the reference. The churches of God identifying their spiritual birth from heaven, in contrast to the assemblies of man, even the synagogues. So, even though the early Christians were all Jewish, and they did go to the synagogue to minister, they were Christians. They weren't following the law anymore. Paul the Apostle went always to the synagogue. But he went to preach Christ. And by the way, there was no sacrifice in the synagogues. it was in the temple. You went to study the word at the synagogue. The word church, as you know, is ecclesia. It means those called out. Were called out of darkness. Transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1.13 says. Notice the churches of God in Judea refer first to the original one. In Jerusalem... And those that have sprung forth because of the persecution. The church was birthed at Pentecost, empowered by the Holy Spirit. God asked to the church, they be such as should be saved. And it grows through the word of God. Not through church growth, not through programs, not through activities, but through the word of God. If you eat healthy food and you exercise, you'll grow and develop real good. If you eat bad food, you'll be sick sooner or later. Anemic. It's no different spiritually. Notice they were imitators due to the fact that they were in Christ Jesus. Here's the key: the ability was due to accepting Jesus, Lord and Savior, identifying themselves as brethren in the Church of God. Individually, brethren, family, corporately, the church. Those called out of darkness into light. Their identity is distinct from any other assembly called out. They were the Church of God in Christ. Notice Paul thanked God that the Thessalonians endured persecution as the churches in Judea. Here's a real test of your Christianity. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. They manifested the very same endurance and perseverance of all others who had preceded them. They were the target of the unbelieving world. The many you're born again, you're a target. There was a time when Christians and Christianity was respected in the United States. Now it's a target. Everything's politically correct. You can worship. You can pray. You can idolize anything except Jesus Christ or Christianity. That's the target. It's amazing to me. What did Jesus ever do that was evil? If these people would do a historical study on what Christianity has done for the world and in any country that it's gone, what it's done for the ignorant, for the evil, for women, what it's done for society, to those who have grabbed a hold of that gospel, And it's transformed transformed their families, their neighborhoods, their nation, those who have given themselves to it. But we know that the God of this world blinds people. And we know as the Lord gets closer to coming back, that the darker the day gets. And so it's no surprise to us as believers. But see, as Christians in America, we've never received persecution. But the rest of the church throughout the 2,000 years, have suffered tremendously for their faith. And an incredible work that God is doing, converting many Muslims in Iran. We've gone over to Turkey and done some discipleship with many of them that come over. And God is doing a great work. But the only thing you and I know about persecution is what we read in commentaries. But we see the times changing in our nation. We certainly see the face of not a friend anymore. But the Bible has told us it never was. <laughs> we just didn't believe it. They were like Paul. They had been persecuted for their faith. They had suffered in the same manner of the churches of Judea from the Jews. Paul suffered from the Jews. Now, I remember Paul persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He imprisoned Christians. He caused them to blast him. And then God appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And he was transformed. He went from enemy number one to number one disciple and apostle. (laughs) Incredible radical life. He was as fervent in preaching the gospel as he was in persecution. The man was unstoppable. The parable of the sower reveals again the seed that had no root. It allowed the tribulations and the persecution for the word of God to affect the person and to leave Christ. The one that fell among thorns, the word was choked up by the cares of the world. They see for riches. But the good ground again brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. So it's always a choice. Whether you continue in Christ, whether you compromise in Christ, whether you walk away from Christ, it's a choice. Certainly, um, A husband and wife are bound by God for life, according to the Bible. But sometimes people make bad choices. And they walk away from their marriages. A woman cannot force a man to love her. A man cannot force a woman to love him. You cannot force each other to remain together. And certainly God doesn't force you to walk with Him. He respects your choice. But once we sow, we have no freedom on what we're going to reap. If you sow beans, don't expect watermelons. The Bible says if we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. We sow to the spirit, we reap everlasting life. It is a choice. And so God exhorts us to walk with Him, trust Him, to look to Him. That we not be deceived, that we not be pulled away. That we not go to the left or the right. That we not make shipwreck of the faith. And so we as believers should thank God we're able to bring forth fruit after the nature of the church. In fact, Jesus said in John fifteen, sixteen and seven, the word called to bear much fruit. We are to have our fruit unto holiness, Romans six twenty two. That's another marking of the emerging church. They will mock you if you are not up to date with the culture. My Bible says unto be ignorant concerning evil, wise concerning good. And so according to the Merchant Church, if I'm not up to date with all that's going on in the world and the youth, then I'm out of touch. The Bible says I'm supposed to be out of touch with the world. (laughs) I don't need to know about the new sin or anything else. Sin's the same. It just comes in different packages, different colors, but it's all the same. Trust me. You and I have not experienced or done anything that hasn't been done in previous generations. Technology only makes you be a smarter sinner. That's all. A more corrupt sinner. Nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. And so we are to yield to the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians five twenty two and 23. We as believers should thank God then that he is the one adding to the church. And that the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. In the midst of wherever we are now is America. I am not discouraged. It's difficult at times to see our nation and the things that are going on. But, again, the Gospels told me about this. And so my eyes are to be on Jesus Christ... And I'm to be thankful to see God work in the midst of us in spite of the difficulty. In fact, God does greater works when there's greater persecution. It always has been. Persecution has never hurt the church. It has only purified it. Some of you um, are maybe too young to remember the uh, cultural revolution in China with Mao. Maybe you read about it. First thing they did is they took all Christianity out, all the books, all the teachers, and the cultural revolution began. Now where's China? They're into capitalism. Amazing to me. Get yourself the um, devotional Jesus Freaks, Volume 1 or 2. And read about the modern day martyrs. Not just Fox's Book of Martyrs of the First Century, but the current ones in our day. That are killed for their faith. With this whole thing with ISIS. Killing Christians. Not only Christians, others but primarily Christians. They're the main target. It's amazing. Get on uh, YouTube and the video on as um, as a guy stands on the steps of Stanford with an ISIS flag, about 15, 10 feet lo- long the pole, flying the flag back and forth, ISIS, and he's talking about how they're only killing because America's this, America's that. And for two hours... Not one student or teacher, professor objected. Finally, he lights up a cigarette. One student went up. Hey, dude, they're going to kick you off the campus. Put that out. Puts it out. Nothing about the flag for two hours. And then, guy goes back and gets an Israeli flag. Stands on the steps. Five seconds is all it took. In 30 seconds, they had more than 100 insults. That's where America is, ladies and gentlemen. The Trojan horse. Of America as public and universities education. Be aware of what's going on. Realize that God's on the throne. He's not biting his nails. But understand what's happening. (laughs) So you don't get sucked into this lukewarmness of the church that's going through. That you stand fast in the word of God. You can discern truth from error. And you can yield to the power of God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so Paul thanked God the word brought fruit through the Thessalonians what a great thing to give thanks you might just think about it you sit around with your family your friends I don't know how long you've been walking with God I don't know what God took you out of I don't know what you're in the midst of I don't know where you're going make sure you're walking with God you know look to him you know, there'll be a lot of people around you that God will use you to reach them great opportunity Being thankful for the word, man, it sown, it took root, and brought forth fruit. Simple things that make all the difference in the world. If your worldview is not biblical, you're going to be deceived.
0: Drawing from Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians, thankful for the simple truths of the word of God at work in the believers of not only his day, but throughout the church to come. Now, our message today, titled, Are You Thankful for the Gospel?, is available on CD for only $4, and we'll be able to include everything we heard the last time together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Are You Thankful for the Gospel?, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com